You're listening to a Sunday service podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We're a faith community committed to racial justice, a place where we practice a deep and authentic welcome, where we listen deeply to where love is calling us next, and a place where with humility, courage, and compassion, we act for justice in the world. To learn more, please visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. I welcome you to the song. Let's create a voice together and sing. The hymn is 1018, Come and Go With Me to That Land Where I'm Bound. Oh, if you, if you dare, you don't even need the book. Come and go with me to that land. Thank you. That means you sing it with me. Come and go with me to that land where I'm bound. There'll be freedom in that land. There'll be justice in that land. They'll be singing in that land. You have everything you need to succeed. Would you rise and let's sing together. If you know it already, help me to teach it. If you're learning, learn with gusto and away we go. Come and go with me. Come and go with me to that land. Come and go with me to that land. Come and go with me to that land where I'm bound. Come and go with me to that land. Come and go with me to that land. Come and go with me to that land where I'm bound. There'll be freedom. There'll be freedom in that land. Good morning. 
It's so good to be together today. My name is Ashley Harness. I'm one of the ministers here at First Universalist, and it is a joy to be together this morning with Franco and Ida back here, <laughs> and Dr. Glenn Thomas, and our very honored guest wisdom sharer and the executive director of Blue, Black Lives of Unitarian Universalism, Lena Gardner. And we are, we are clapping extra hard for Lena this morning because the crud has landed in her home along with her body and her toddler's body, and she managed to get out the door. <laughs> Woohoo! And she has wisdom to share, too, now that she has made it here. And we are glad that each and every one of you has made it here as well. For 150 years, for over 150 years, First Universalist has been a community proclaiming the power of love and hope, creating community where we invite each other into the rhythm and practice of dreaming together new futures like we will do this morning. I want to invite you into a couple of opportunities to step into these rhythms and practices right now. First, I have my computer up here because we are welcoming folks who are online with us this morning, and I am communicating with them from the chancel so that we remember they are here with us and we are there with them also. The visual arts team hopes you will enjoy this spectacular spectacle they have created. There is a lantern illuminated snow fort Oh, it's getting so full. That's the goal, that it will be filled with stuffies from our children and youth and all of us um, for hibernation season this December. Also, if you are looking for some free cheer this afternoon at 4 p.m., I recommend the mercifully briefened presentation of Handel's Messiah at St. John's Lutheran on Nicollet, for which our own beloved Dr. Glenn Thomas will be the bass soloist. This is his first gig in the Twin Cities, and we need to make sure he is properly loved upon when he sings. So join us there if you can. And if you are in need, in need of a space that is free from cheer, or at least with room for lament and sorrow and grief, we offer you the Blue Holiday Service this Wednesday, a tradition where we make room for all of ourselves, all of our experience at this time of year. Um, join us for that at 6.30 p.m. The Christmas pageant is a beautiful telling of an ancient story of hope and hospitality, a reminder that every child is born a redeemer. And most importantly for this moment, a reminder that it is happening on December 18th only, not on the 24th. We hope you will join us to make that as festive as humanly possible. And finally, it's back, the winter solstice ritual. Wednesday, December 21st, 7.30 p.m. We look forward to it. Now let us arrive more fully and let the logistics rest. Let us settle ourselves with three big breaths to help our spirits arrive here with our bodies. Take your own rhythm to do so. And now let us welcome our ancestors into this space. In the words of Adrian Marie Brown, my heartbeat is a thousand ancestors clapping the rhythm for me. Feel your own heart now. Feel the clapping. Silently welcome them. We hold our ancestors' experiences now as we remember 
that we are on land that is not our own, that people and land and beings are not possessions to own, that the earth and its people, past and present and future, carry stories and hold histories of hope, resilience, trauma, and pain. And we commit ourselves to learning and holding it all, trusting in the power of love as we do what is ours to repair the web of all that we live within. Let us light the flame now to represent these commitments. Ida, if you will join me up here. And if you are joining us from home, I invite you to join by lighting your own candle. And please join me in saying these words as Ida lights the flame. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant. This peace to seek truth in love and to help. Friends, whenever anyone offers you the opportunity to sing, um, it is a joyous occasion. Uh, and whenever you get to offer someone the opportunity to sing, it is also a joyous occasion. Um, nothing says that quite like December in America. Um, uh, back in the days when we used to have malls, those, those folks who are, who are younger, malls are these... Um, <laughs> Uh, there are websites with bricks that you buy. <laughs> yes, so I, it delights me to offer you the opportunity to sing. The hymn is Lean on Me. I invite you to sing this song like you have just learned it and you have just taken it in as your favorite song in the world. Here's why. This is how we deepen our spiritual connections to songs, by singing them with new and fresh vision each time. So the more you can inhabit, you can notice these words again and again, the less we can treat them like, nah, yeah, I've sung that before. The more we can treat them like, this is an opportunity to sing, the more the opportunity will unfold into a blessing. Amen? All right. The opportunity has come. Let us sing. Rise, will you? The hymn is Lean on Me. Let's go. Sometimes in our lives, sometimes in our lives, we all have pain. We all have, we all have sorrow. But if we are wise, if we we know that there's always tomorrow lean on me lean on me when you're not strong and i'll be your friend i help you carry on to borrow, you need to borrow, oh, for no one can fill those of your knees that you won't let show, lean on me when you're not strong, and I'll be your friend, I'll help you carry on, help you carry on, Just call, just call on me, brother, when you need a hand. We all need somebody to lean on. I just might, I just might have a problem that you'd understand. We all need somebody to lean. Lean on me, lean on me when you're, when you're not strong. And I'll be your friend. I have to carry on. 
keep singing. That'd be a cool way to pray too. Dancing. I like that form. Moses approached the thick darkness where God was, but the people remained a long way off. So says the book of Exodus at the end of God's delivery of the Ten Commandments. The thick Darkness is where God was at that pivotal moment in that sacred story. Did you know that? That God was in the thick darkness. You heard that? Do you remember that from the Bible? Yeah. Our culture doesn't exactly highlight the holiness of thickness and darkness. Really, we are too often taught to be afraid of thickness, of darkness. We fail to see and touch and hear the holiness, the tenderness, the creative possibility in the darkness, especially. So we are going to practice connecting together with that darkness right now through a practice called Centering Prayer. It's an ancient practice of invitation and presence. So I'm gonna invite you to find a way to get a little more comfortable, but not too comfortable. Still alert. And feel where your breath drops into your belly. And use this phrase as an invitation to presence and holiness. We inhale with the word trust. And we exhale with the word darkness. Trust darkness. Let us practice presence. Let us grow our capacity to trust the darkness as we breathe and center ourselves now. Holy darkness, hold our trust with care, hold our grief, hold our possibility, hold all that is growing 
in your depths. Teach us to trust you, to know you, to be led by you in this season of holy waiting, of brilliant darkness. Let us be with you always, knowing that you hold us through the grip of addiction, the weight of oppression, the sharing of our grief, the depths of our joy, with love that makes our suffering more bearable. May it be so. Amen. of worship crafted together, I know that there is always cause for joy and gratitude, always cause to look at the mystery and wonder, what the heck? Always, always challenging moments among us. And one of the more powerful things that we do together is we bear witness. And we accompany each other through those moments. We name them in our hearts, in our spirits, in our voices. We name those names. We name the moments in our lives. And so for a few moments, with our collected prayer, I invite you, with your voice or with your heart, to conjure that which you would have the community hold with you in prayer. All you need to do is conjure it up. And if you'd like to say it out loud, if that makes the moment more deeply connected for you. Now is the time. This moment of worship is what the people meant when they sang, someone's praying, my Lord, come by here. Someone's laughing, Lord. Come by here, someone's weeping, Lord, come by here, oh Lord, come by here. Because the tapestry of love is ours to weave, to hold, and to warm one another. So may it be. Amen. Um,
As we move more deeply into the worship hour, it's my pleasure to welcome Lena Gardner, Executive Director of Black Lives for Unitarian Universalism. We're doing things just a little bit different uh, this week. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Black Lives of Unitarian Universalism, um, especially uh, in its relationship and partnership with us as a congregation. First Universalist uh, Church is, um, uh, is in a five-year partnership with Black Lives of Unitarian Universalism um, that we call Holiday Giving. Um, and uh, for us, it's a spiritual practice that helps to teach us how to resist consumerism and capitalism in the most consumerist and capitalist uh, time of the year, in the most consumerist and capitalist moment and location in the world. <laughs> uh, uh, it's deep, deep, deep resonant spiritual practice for us to give and to be in relationship with our giving and receiving. We'll start uh, with a video to introduce, uh, to introduce Black Lives of Unitarian Universalism in case uh, blue is new to you. <laughs> I, I, was, I, I, got a, I got a kick out of that, okay? <laughs> okay, here we go. Black Lives of Unitarian Universalism, or blue for short, is an inclusive spiritual community for Black people. We are unapologetically Black, unapologetically spiritual, and unapologetically liberated. Unitarian Universalism invites us to honor many spiritual lineages, traditions, and practices while grounding in our shared commitment to seek justice and curiosity in this life. While Blue is a Unitarian Universalist community, we invite Black folks who aren't Unitarian Universalists to be part of our Blue Spaces as well. Blue started in 2015 when a small group of Black Unitarian Universalists met at the Movement for Black Lives convening in Cleveland, Ohio. Since then, we've created a thriving community where people can worship together, learn more about justice and organizing, and enjoy getting to know other Black folks who care about the spiritual call to collective liberation. We center queer and trans people in our staff leadership and in our programming. We honor our elders and appreciate the wisdom of our youth. We have meaningful gatherings virtually and in person. During our worship spaces, we often say, welcome home. That's because we mean it. We're blue. Nice to meet you. Thank you, Lena, for being here. Um, I think for a lot of us gathered here today, the, the foundational question to start with is just an understanding of um, the need for uh, a space like Blue, Black Lives of Unitarian Universalism. Like, why do we need, um, why do we need a Black uh, Unitarian Universalist uh, space? Yeah, um, thank you for that question and thank you for uh, inviting me here today. So when we, I was one of those, the original people at the, at the lunch that was referenced in the video. And when we started Blue, uh, we did so because all of us were experiencing harm in our home churches. Um, and all of us at that table were involved in activism in one way or another. So myself with Black Lives Matter Minneapolis at the time and other folks with other different orgs. Um, and we would come to church having done really intense, big direct actions or whatever, whatever we were doing. And then, and I would say we were coming in a vulnerable space looking for worship, looking for connection. And instead, particularly in those times, what we found was harm, racialized harm. And so we thought to ourselves, uh, how do we give ourselves what we need? 
And black folks have been doing this since we were brought to this continent. Um, and so we said, well, we want to create a space that we know will be free from that particular type of racialized harm. And that for us means it has to be for and by black folks. And it has to be a protected space where we intentionally um, welcome each other in. Um, you know, that's, that's a space free from, from the white gaze. Um, and that is just a space for us and by us. And that was really, that was really the start of it. Um, I think that there's a, a vision of Unitarian Universalism, which I would say that we hold too, of a multicultural Unitarian Universalism. The, the unfortunate, sad part of that is that most of our congregations aren't anywhere near that. And, you know, I would say when we get to a place where we know that black and brown indigenous folks can walk in the door and come into our communities without experience, experiencing so much racialized harm, um, then blue spaces won't be needed. We won't need them, and, you know, we won't need them in the same way um, in, in that protected healing space. But I think we're a very long ways away from that. Um, and so, so blue is needed and it's here. Um, and I want to add that one of our foundational sort of text sources, if you will, was um, in Beloved by Toni Morrison. Uh, you know, when Baby Suggs is out in, they're in a clearing and she's, you know, sermonizing and there's a whole beautiful passage about how out yonder for black folks, they're not going to love they're not gonna love you. They're not gonna love your skin. They're not gonna love anything about you. And so you have to love you. Mm. And that text and that idea is really at the center of love, is that, look, this outside world is not going to love us. They don't love us. Mm. They hate us <laughs> in a lot of ways. And so uh, we need to, we need to have places where people can come and get filled up and know that uh, they're not going to experience that very particular type of racialized harm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's, um, I, uh, I've had the fortune to travel quite a bit. And the, one of the things that I notice that's most consistent about whenever I'm in a, a country that is not my own um, is the fatigue of um, that comes with uh, just the, the little bits of work that that go into your body and your mind having to translate everything into something you can understand right um, and and that tourism is the spiritual work of black folk in America constantly okay. right um, and uh, and so you know the, even the even the the best intentioned um, uh, even the best intention spaces come with that, uh, with uh, that fatigue, that necessary work, even to gain the benefits that are um, uh, that are well meant, and you know, and, and trying to be, uh, and trying to come about in the world. Uh, I appreciate your naming that. Um, I think in these spaces, especially, um, uh, these things don't get named enough. Um, they don't. They don't get named strongly enough, and um, uh, and uh, it helps just personally to have someone else say something that um, that helps um, uh, helps me feel seen in that in that experience. Mm -hmm. Can I add one thing? You yeah, just yeah, said yeah. Go. Made me think too. The other really beautiful thing that I love about blue is. That thing about being seen is there are so many different kinds of blackness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when you are just like one of very few, there's a way in which uh, people try to pigeonhole you or stereotype you, if you will, um, which may or may not speak to any parts of your blackness. That's right, yeah, yeah. And I think the, the really beautiful, one of the beautiful pieces of blue that I really love is that we intentionally try to create space for all different kinds of blackness. Mm -hmm. You grew up in an adopted family in the suburbs with a white family, 
and you're claiming your black identity, you're welcome here. Mm -hmm. You grew up in Detroit, you, you're welcome here. You grew up with a lot of money, not a lot of money. However you're coming, you're a theist, you're an atheist, you come from a Muslim tradition, you Jewish tradition, no tradition, um, you're a godless heathen like me, you're welcome here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. And that, that beautifulness and expansiveness of blackness is not something that is even recognized in so many yeah. places. Yes. And so I just see that as another really yes. Yes. reason why we need blue. Yeah, yeah. Like in, in the music world, um, we get so stuck on the converse, conversations like whether or not white choirs should be singing spirituals mm -hmm. that, um, that we delay the hundreds and hundreds of foundational um, you know, layers of black music that are, that are actually out there. Like, once we get past the spirituals, we can get, back, we can get into the fact that, that blackness is in all of music, but, um, but we are held up by that homogenization mm -hmm. so often. Mm -hmm. um, let's, uh, can we talk about um, what Black Lives of Unitarian Universalism is doing like what the work looks like? Yeah, yeah, and um, like where where are you now? I know that we we talked a lot about um, um, you know initial dreams and how they have grown. So mm -hmm. I think people would be really excited to know um, like what's going on. Yeah, like how does it manifest? Yeah, so um, our work, you know, we continue to offer worship online. Uh, we used to do two worship services a month. Now we're down to one, and I'll explain why in just a, a few moments. Um, and then we still offer all of our other spiritual care offerings. So there's a daily affirmation that anyone can sign up for and get daily affirmations. There's a pastoral care line for black folks, um, which gets a lot, a lot of calls. Um, we also created, um, and this is actually the brainchild and, and work of our beloved minister, Reverend Michael Slack. Um, we created the Black Lives of... Um, Sorry, there's like an echo somewhere. Mm. I'm hearing. Anyways, um, okay, it's gone now. Um, we created the Black Ministerial uh, Alliance. Alliance is the wrong word, but it's it's a network. That's it. Black Ministerial Network, um, and that's a way to support Black ministers who are serving predominantly white congregations, and also just a networking connection place. So that's a little bit about our like spiritual care offerings. We used to do youth programming online called Blueberries Programming, um, and uh, yeah, and then the universe kind of laughed at our plans because in March of 2020, we had plans to launch our in-person communities. Um, and if you remember, something else happened in March of 2020, um, just, just a little worldwide pandemic. So um, that was delayed. We still launched our communities um, in online form. Um, I think we have, we're up to like nine across the country now. Um, and we have big plans in 2023 and 24 to really build those out and support them. Um, and in order to do that, the other thing we just have done in the last year, um, we worked, we hired a consulting group, an organizational development consulting group named the Anti-Oppressive Resource Training Alliance, um, AORTA. And they are a fantastic group of folks. Um, and we hired them to help us with a restructure because when you start out as five folks who are friends, you know, doing mobilization work, sort of more informally meeting your own spiritual needs, and then you fast forward seven years or yeah, later, it's like uh, what, and you're trying to build into an organization, it's very different work. Um, and we wanna make sure that our in-person communities and the rest of our work has a really solid foundation. So we, we did a whole process of restructuring um, and we're, we have a board chair um, who's amazing and we are gonna be really fleshing that out in the next year, all that work we did with Aorta and with our board chair. Um, and so that's been a big piece of our work, but it's also very inward facing work, um, which is why we did some stuff like we pulled back from our programming. Um, and we also thought the timing was appropriate because in this world of the pandemic, uh, you know, you just, there's a lot pulling on us in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So then the third really big piece is that um, we're working on a, an $8.3 million eight 
site housing cooperative. Um, yeah, and we initially entered into this. Yeah, let's clap for that. We can clap for that. <laughs> um, we initially entered into that in 2019 because part of, you know, one of the central pillars of Blue is um, justice making and liberation through our faith. We really see a part, we really see our activism organizing as a part of that pillar of our work. And the housing initiative started as a partnership with another black-led org, which has which since was not able to fulfill the partnership. But um, we went to a, when we got our funding, um, um, we were like, we don't want this to just serve black Unitarian Universalists. We want to share with the communities we came from. So we, you know, reached out to a lot of different folks um, and we heard back that there's this housing cooperative uh, for black and indigenous single moms and do we want to support that? And we were like, yes. Absolutely, we want to we want to support this. So originally, we were just supposed to buy the land and hold the land, and this other org was going to do everything else. <laughs> so we bought the land, <laughs> and then the other org just kind of fell defunct. And so suddenly, we had a choice to make: were we going to sell the land, or were we going to continue with the project, or were we going to do something else? And I'm saying at this point, this project is like a nugget of a nugget of an idea, right? Um, and we just decided, like, we made this commitment, we want to continue with it, so let's try to figure out another way. Um, and building a new way, you know, has also been a mantra of ours. Um, and so we said, let's figure it out. So um, that's what a lot of my work has been, actually, in the past since I came back from maternity leave, which um, has been building new partnerships, new connections to help lift that uh, housing initiative off the ground. And that is exactly what's happened. Um, we are, yes, um, we're set to break ground. Thank you. Um, as soon as the ground unfreezes, actually, from this winter, we are set to break ground um, pending the closing of the loan with the, <laughs> with the bank. Um, but the beautiful thing about this project is uh, a few things. One is that the city of Minneapolis really deeply believes in it. They've awarded us a million dollars in financing in the form of a forgivable loan. Um, and yeah, and without that, the project wouldn't be off the ground. Um, we formed a housing council to be able to figure out how to finance and, and do the rest of the, the sites. Um, and then we're partnering with Urban Homeworks, which is an amazing organization, um, to invite families into the, into the initiative. And so, um, yeah, so that's, that's what we're doing. Um, you know, we still do our spiritual programming. We're doing the restructure and then the housing initiative. Um, mm -hmm. That's, we, we think that's enough for right now. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are a four-person team. Yeah, wow. <laughs> okay. Well, that, that's um, the, our our conversations have you know especially as we have taken a look at um, the four person team dreaming this big, yeah. we inevitably get into the conversation of okay, well, if you're building a new way, um, you know, and your your part of that is one of the bricks, mm -hmm. um, how do you keep the faith? How does how 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 do you maintain, how do you strengthen hope, how do you, um, how do you find resilience um, or even a connection between the, the one thing you are doing and the, uh, and the larger uh, dream? I, I wonder if you could speak to yeah. how it is that Blue thinks of that. Yeah, um, well, I think one of the key things that we come back to time and time again is... Uh, how, what can we do with what we have right now? Um, that's been a question for us since the beginning, since we sat around at that table, right? We were like, we don't have money. We don't have, you know, lots of other things lots of orgs have when they get started. But we were like, what do we have right now? And what can we do right now? Um, and I think that's been a thorough line since our inception. Um, and I think when we first started, for instance, the housing initiative, we didn't know how big it was going to be. Um, and, and yet still, our, our answer, you know, our grounding question was, well, we can do something with what we have right now. So let's start there. Um, and let's 
continue to ask that question along the way. Um, you know, the, the thing about the housing disparities in Minnesota is that they're so stark that getting 24 black and indigenous families into home ownership through the housing cooperative will have a statistically significant impact on home ownership rates in the state. And so that's pretty, I mean, that's pretty sad <laughs> in, in one component, um, in one way you look at it. The other way you can look at it is like, yeah, that is 24 families. Um, and I think one of the things that surprised me when I started Blue, I don't know why, but is that when you, when you start something, you sort of get crushed with requests and you see how big the needs are. Right. And you can't meet them all. You can't even come anywhere close. Um, but being clear about what you can do allows you space a little bit to say, yeah, these families that are coming to us, if they don't have money for childcare or they don't have healthcare or they don't have money to go to college, like I can't solve any of those big things for them. Can't do it. Um, but hopefully what this project can do is, is solve the housing piece for them, right? Because there is nowhere else in the country right now where you would get a 1,600 square foot, four bedroom, two bath, new construction for $189,000. Like that just is not gonna happen. But that's what we're doing with this project. Um, and so the power of that for those families um, is huge, right? This isn't rundown, shoddy, in disrepair, affordable housing, right? This isn't the, the state or the city, you know, rundown, needing lots of repair, public housing. This is beautiful, brand new homes because we all deserve that, yeah. right? Um, right? And and it really hopefully can offer some stabilizing for those families. Um, and I will say the families are, it's not like, it's work. It is work to live in a cooperative. Um, and it's gonna take, it's gonna take a lot from them, just not in the form of money. And yeah. so I think that's the other piece that's really important to know. Um, in, in an ideal world, like I would just love to be able to gift them you know, to, to whoever needs it, right? Um, but the world we live in is different. And so, you know, part of that grounding is just like, what can I do with what I have now? And then just keep building and keep making it stronger, you know? Um, we've, we've raised, I think, around $94,000 from individual UUs and UU congregations. Um, and that's really helped, helped us get off the ground. Um, but we still could use a lot more, you know. One of the things we're looking at right now is that the payments for the families are at, I think it's like $2,300, which the city says is affordable, but if you have bought groceries recently, you know that's not really affordable. $2,300. <laughs> right, right. And so we're trying to get those monthly payments down to like $1,300, which we feel like is more affordable. Mm -hmm. So even if we raised an additional Fifty to seventy-five thousand um, dollars—that would bring down the debt service mm -hmm. on the the mortgage, and that would bring that down into that range. Yeah, so that's yeah. our sort of new goal right now for this first project: is to bring that monthly payment down to what is actually affordable for yeah. people making around sixty percent of average median income. But that's just going to take capital from other resources, yeah. you know. So, yeah, what I love. Uh, what, I, what I'm hearing um, uh, more deeply than I, than I had in the past is like, like our work, what you can do now is creating space for the next, um, for the next folks um, who can solve another bit of, uh, mm -hmm. of the dream, who can create a little bit more of the dream. And we create space with what we can do um, for each other um, to you know, to cooperate and work the dream into reality. Um, it's a less, um, it's a it's a less self-motivated way of thinking uh, about it. It's um, it, it's a, um, it reminds me that like even the things that I can do right now, I'm I'm not alone. Like we are all yeah. um, able to do something. We're all able, and we are creating the space for each other. Um, 
to be able to, uh, to, to work on um, the things that, that make love and justice come to life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to say? All right. Oh, no. Okay. Is, are, we, are we done? Or did you have oh, we can be. No, 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 no. I thought you, I was waiting for your next question. Oh, no, 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 no. Well, I mean, I was, I was just, I, I really um, am interested in this spiritual, uh, in, mm-hmm. in, in this idea because, um, because we are often, we often talk about our aspirations um, with these very large words of yeah. freedom and liberation and justice and whatnot. And, um, and just like coming to church every week, sometimes I just want to know like where, um, where my work today, like how do I ground myself yeah. today in the larger dream so that I don't lose hope and I don't lose sight of, um, mm-hmm. of, of what that is. And, I, and I, I especially appreciate how Blue has, has done that um, mm-hmm. step by step and has taught us how um, um, how beautifully that works. Um, I have a question. Yeah, Rick. Uh, in the spirit of what this congregation can do mm-hmm. to better support black lives, with the realization that black lives, indigenous people uh, around the world are the ones that are most harmfully and immediately and already affected by climate change, if this congregation could do more to support yeah, I appreciate that you're. I appreciate that you're um, uh, bringing a, a deeper and wider question, and I and I encourage uh, you to take that question into um, a a forum that is not worship. Although this does look like this does look an awful lot like um, something where we would uh, toss um, some questions back and forth. We don't have the space and time for it now. Um, here's what I would. Here's what I would do. Um, I think the thing you do with that, um, I, I have 40 plus plants at home, and um, and uh, I know uh, I know that the seed that you plant and the seed that you nurture is is the plant that tends to grow, um, and so each of each one of us here is uh, also waking up with particular. Um, spaces of care and concern uh, that we're bringing into the world, um, climate, uh, climate justice and, um, uh, and reproductive rights justice and black justice and brown justice and poverty justice and economic injustice. All of these places where your heart resonates are the places that you start your conversations mm-hmm. In the social hall, in the hallway, start your conversations on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Start those conversations from that place where the needs of the world um, intersect with the place where your heart resonates. This is what you can do with what you've got. Um, And speaking of what you can do with what you've got, it's time to take the offering. (laughs) Friends. (laughs) Friends, now is a time where we have the opportunity to practice the generous art uh, of giving and receiving as love shows us how. Uh, In partnership with uh, Black Lives of Unitarian Universalism, I welcome your showing of generosity. Together, what we can do is greater than what any one of us could do alone, so we have no choice but to do the thing, okay? The ushers will come and receive the morning's offering for Black Lives of Unitarian Universalism. I thank you in advance for your generosity. Thank you. Thank you. that um, some folks in our congregation are joining us not in this room um, and I forgot to uh, I forgot to restate the question 
um, so that folks could know what we were uh, what we were talking about. Sorry, folks who are joining us at home. I don't make I don't mean to make you um, kind of out out in the darkness. <laughs> That's the theme for the month, y'all. Come on. Oh, I mean, it's, uh, yes, no, but um, I do I I do hope that the response gave you an idea of. Uh, of where we were, we were going. And I encourage you, um, as this showing of generous giving that we have had together um, continues to remind us of what we're capable of, um, that you take this lesson with you into your heart. And that we also know that giving alone is not the only part of that art that receiving well is also, um, is also part of the art of giving and receiving as love shows us how. And if receiving, if you are in a place in your life where the church's generosity can be beneficial to your life, if you're in a hard place right now, we've got resources to be of assistance. See me, see um, one of the staff members, let's have a conversation. Um, send an email if, um, if talking about that is not, is not your thing. Let's start the conversation. We have the resources to um, be generous with you so that we all um, can live better together um, and benefit from the beauty of our own generous giving and receiving. Amen? Yes, yes, indeed. Friends, the opportunity to sing has come. The, the hymn is the fire of commitment, and I welcome you to sing it along with me. Would you rise? Let's sing. From the light of days remembered burns a beacon bright and clear, guiding hands and hearts and spirits into faith set free from fear. When the power of commitment sets our mind and soul ablaze, when our hunger and our passion need to call us on our way, when we live with deep assurance of the flame that burns within, then our Finds fulfillment and our future can begin. From the stories of our living brings a song both brave and free, calling pilgrims still to witness to our life of liberty. When Friends, the moment of our common worship 
is coming to a close, which presents another opportunity. What happens now until we see each other again is largely up to us. We could pack away our songs and our lessons into our back pockets, into our trunks, and live the next days as if these moments of togetherness and love never took place. Or we could take what we have and offer it to each other, live lives that say a difference has been made today, live lives that are the evidence of this community in the world, now and in all the days to come, especially until we meet again. So go now with love on your mind. Go with liberation in your heart. And go with justice in the very soles of your feet, my friends. Amen. Let's sing. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting our ministry. Text First Univ, that's F I R S T U N I V, to 73256 to make your gift. If you are able to join us in person for Sunday worship, we'd love to see you in church. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.